Okay, but once again, though, let's get back on subject here. Mike Valeni is your father figure. No, he is not. I will be your father. You love Valenti. Like, remember you were swaggerjacking some of his, his bits. That's who you get your swag off of. You're not a father figure. Let us be your sports father figure on our podcast with swag on SoundCloud and iTunes at WXUTs after further review. Welcome back to WXUTs. After further review, another week of winners and losers for David, the man of God, Harris. What up, David? Go on ahead. All right, an action-packed winners and losers, complete with the first week of the NFL season. And, of course, we have to start off with the winners. We're going to start off in the college game, University of Virginia, their first home game since the tragedy. Um, they're killing the three, three other teammates. And it was just an emotional day. I watched, I watched that game. Um, for Virginia, um, yeah, just just the emotion and kind of that first time being back on the field, the first home game in Charlottesville, seeing all the tributes, the memorial, kind of within the stadium, like tugged on the heartstrings. So I just wanted to give them credit for really kind of embracing and then kind of the first touchdown that was scored by Virginia in that game. I don't want to say it was scripted, but it felt like kind of the universe wanted it to happen was one of the players that was shot and survived. I'm blanking on his name, but yeah, just kind of just the emotion that you felt kind of pour out of Charlottesville in that moment. I, I had to give them a winner. Um, yeah, sentimental. That wasn't, sentimental, very yeah. sentimental. Yeah, that wasn't just a victory on the field, but like the entire community planting trees. Putting the numbers in the Ring of Honor, and the, yeah, it was it, it was like cutting onions, but there were like ten thousand of them all at once. So very sentimental. Um, love University of Virginia for doing that. That's yeah, a lot of onions there, uh, uh, David. Yeah. Keep going. Staying yeah. uh, in the college football game, the University of Texas. I, I, I don't, I put a question mark because Texas is so pervash and bravado. They think that they're a top five team like every season. Um, but they had, they had a statement victory against an Alabama team that a lot of people said is a down year just because they lost a lot of people. It's still Alabama. You still went on the road. This, like still a handful of times that. A uh, Nick Saban assistant came back and won first non-conference loss for Alabama at home in years. Yeah, Alabama's defense is leaps and bounds not the same as any of the elite defenses. Offensively, still have some questions, but you have to you have to give credit te- Texas credit, and it sucks because now they're going to start talking as if they're national champions. And that's the last thing any college football fan wants. Like, they are more obnoxious as a fan base when they win than probably any team in the country. 
But they got the win. They're undefeated. The win is all that matters. Yeah. At the end, yeah, at the end of the day, you get that W. You get home. You get to ride high. And now you're in the top five in the polls, which polls are what they are. Well, I think, David, eventually it'll pan itself out. You, you know that, and I know that with, with the polls and everything. Like, TCU was was ranked high early on, and then now look at them. They get you know beat by Colorado, and they fall. So I think early on, the polls are a little bit inaccurate for certain teams, and that's why you play the games. Yeah, and we said on the show, like, we don't pay attention to the polls until at least October. That, that's when conference play starts for the majority of teams, if not all of them. You've had a couple high-profile conference, conference games or non-conference play, depending on the tradition that you are. You've had one or two big marquee games that define the season. But yeah, once conference play starts, then we can start seeing polls, because now you're playing competition that isn't you know, second or third tier in most D1 teams' cases. And speaking of teams that are in that second tier, they got a beat down courtesy of Colorado and Coach Prime. Just you, you have to love Coach Prime at this point because it's like no matter what is said about him, he tells his players, go back and up on the field. This is not about me. This is about you guys. And he, he motivates those Colorado players to play well. And they play well for him. Do you think he's a great motivator or is he a great coach? I've had this discussion with friends. And I mean, I, I, like I said, I give him credit. He's doing really well. But as I mentioned before, I want to see what he does against some of the better teams like USC. Like, I think they're probably going to get a win against Colorado State, obviously. I mean, they've, they, they've played some pretty decent to not very good teams. TCU was, as we can see, was pretty much overrated. Obviously, Nebraska has been having their problems with Matt rule. They've been having the, the chip on their shoulders. They're finding things for motivation like Jordan does, but eventually how does this cap out? I mean, now I give him credit. You've exceeded what happened last year. I like the fact that he's bringing to the forefront that, when you bring in kids that really care and buy in, you can get a lot of results, which a lot of coaches struggle with that. Um, he he did a could continue because I have my thoughts on certain things. I want to hear your thoughts on, on on your rest of what Dion's doing, because what I might say, um, you might agree or disagree, but go ahead. But like I said, I'm giving his props. I think he's done a heck of a job so far with two games. But like I said, I, I like to see the full resume, the full season before I really come with a definitive answer on his coaching. And as I've asked before, is he a great coach or is he a great motivator? What do you say? I think I think he's a he's a great motivator. And I think that makes him a great coach because you can be a coach that's great, but your kids are playing because they're afraid of consequence or you can be a great coach because like you said, they are passionate because you can get kids to buy in to what you're selling. They can get to drink the Kool-Aid. And I think in particular 
thinking about the coaching aspect for Coach Prime is the in-game adjustment. Um, last week against Nebraska, who there were a lot of people that said, oh, or, or preseason, that Nebraska was going to be Colorado because Nebraska is getting back to their glory days under Matt Rule, which, look, Nebraska doesn't, Nebraska fans and people in the program don't even like their quarterback. Like, they think he's trash. So that's a whole other segment. But, um, but yeah, like the end game, first half to second half, and really trying to get the, the offensive adjustments that he made from first half to second half, where the first half they were looking inept, they couldn't get the ball, they couldn't get the ground game running, Shadur was struggling. And then after halftime, it was like, boom, something clicked. And I think part of that coaching is, you know, being a great coach is seeing what's not working and trying to fix it. Whereas some coaches are just, well, no, this is our game plan. This is what we're, this is what we're doing. This is how we've game scripted all week, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And I think the fact that it's been said that some of Colorado's better players haven't even touched the field yet. So the depth that they have in the running back room and the wide receiving room that can add more offensive firepower or firepower to what we've already seen. I think that's going to really surprise a lot of people. So yeah, I, I think kind of he's a great coach and he's a great motivator. And I think he's a great coach because he has been able to do it with minimal resources. And I mean, I guess Colorado is a little bit more resource than Jackson state, but like you can see it's there, and yeah, he's. I think he's. I think he's both, but one leads to the other for sure. Do you know what the spread is for this game against Colorado State? Not big enough after what Jay Norvell said. Uh, it's minus twenty three in the hook. You seriously like that's three touchdowns and almost a field goal. Twenty four point a twenty four point favorite. They're really trying to get you to bet on this game. I mean, I know Colorado State's not had; they haven't been really relevant either, as well. But wow, I mean, wow, that is just to say the least with with Colorado State, and they ended up losing to Washington fifty to twenty four uh, for their first game. So this this will be interesting to see. Yeah, and yeah, and I think I, I think betters are going. Off of the mismatch, just kind of a rank Colorado. Colorado State had a god awful season last season. They won three games, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, they really looked this poor against Washington State. Mm-hmm. And now, granted, Washington State is a pack, you know, similar conference opponent, kind of just a little bit better. More or less than Colorado, depending on who you ask and who you talk to. But yeah, so I, I go right there with 25, 26. But yeah, just looking on the talent on field, yeah, it's, it, it's going to look like a non conference game where someone should be getting paid like $500,000 to get this butt weapon. Right. My thing is this with, with Dion, and, and I, I think probably a lot of coaches are afraid to do what he is doing and he's shaking it up a lot of time I, there's different theories with coaches when you take over a program 
those become your kids, as some people say. Now, others people say that, eh, well, that's so-and-so's recruits. I mean, he pretty much cleaned house and brought in his guys, I think. So this is where it, the, the water's getting muddy. Is he really great coaching or is he a good motivator, a recruiter? And I've had these conversations with people in my in, in that I've coached with or people that, you know, I, I, I've been mentored by. And you're starting to see the different factions in coaching. Obviously, I tell people this all the time. I think coaching sometimes gets overrated. Um, and we'll talk a little bit about this in another segment with the FIBA basketball. But, you know, could Deion, let's say Deion Sanders went in, and like most coaches, he didn't have the swag of Deion Sanders. But let's be honest. The swag of Deion Sanders attracts a lot of talented players. But let's say he was a regular Joe Schmo coach. Good coach or great coach. But he don't have that that swag like Dion. And let's say he inherited the team from last year. Yeah. Is he going to bring in some better players? Yeah. Is he going to totally revamp the roster? Probably not. Would the results still be the same if he still had those kids? And that makes you wonder and asks you the question. When it comes to coaching, you should be able to coach any type of kid and get the most out of them. When you start to become a great recruiter and just bringing in kids and getting the wins, people get that 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 kind of uh, uh, it I guess it becomes a muddy line or it becomes blurred to what is it really as a great coach so I think he did a great job of, 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 of I think analyzing and seeing who really wanted to be there they said he got rid of some guys that were just happy to be on the football team didn't have a passion for football and that's been happening a lot with these kids I think nowadays he's really bringing to the forefront there's a lot of kids that play sports because they're forced into it. I think more or less myself and you, almost, kids had a passion and really wanted to play. You know what I'm saying? It makes sense. But now that sports has become a big business, almost every kid is playing and these parents are trying to vicariously live through their kids. Now, some kids do get good, but I've seen it where I've trained kids and Parents like, yeah, we're going to do basketball. And the kid has no passion for it. And I try to make it fun for the kid, but they don't. And I think that's what's kind of happening now. And I don't think people are acknowledging it just yet. And I think I'm kind of noticing it. And I think there's the reason why there's the transfer portal. There's a lot of kids. You're getting a lot of kids that play sports who probably in the past wouldn't have played. It was just something to do. It's a social hour. Maybe they're trying to do things for cloud. Everyone has their own personal reasons. But I don't think really the passion to play sports for a lot of kids is in them. And they end up doing the trainings because their parents tell them some of them are physically gifted. But at the end of the day, if you want to play at the highest level and compete, you got to have that love and passion of the game. And I think that's what Dion, I think, did a really good job of. He really analyzed. I've been listening to some of the pundits, some of the guys who are great friends with them, say that he pretty much, he's very disciplined as a coach. Yeah, he's got the prime time swagger, and that's all for the public. But behind closed doors, if you don't have the same passion of football as him, he don't want you on the football team. And I, that's the things that I've kind of noticed now in youth sports and some colleges there's just people that just don't have that passion for this game and i've told kids that i've coached you know look i love coming to the gym and and being around the game of basketball even though as your physical abilities and skills kind of erode as you get older you still like to be in that atmosphere 
and you just see kids that are just there just just to be there it's just something to do or i'm just being a babysitter and you can't as someone that has a passion for a certain sport and you're trying to pass it on that gets very frustrating so i I say kudos to dion i think he really the reason why they're winning is because he's bringing kids in that have a passion for the sport now whether or not he's uplifting their talents that that's going to be seen i think once he plays usc and some of the better teams on his schedule then you'll start to see really how good of a coach he is but i will give him credit at one facet of coaching great motivator and he's surrounding himself with coaches and players that have a passion for the game now a little bit easier in college than in high school because you you got a coach what comes through the door Basically, in high school, you you technically can't recruit. Now, some schools can kind of bend the rules a little bit, but you technically can't recruit. And and I've seen it with my own eyes, a certain kid that's not bad, but they don't have the passion to be always in the gym trying to work on their craft as far as other kids. And then that shows you the difference in the levels of why certain programs like the Alabamas and the Georgias are always at up top. And historically, for the last 30 years since Colorado won a national championship in 1990, Colorado's been so bad. I just think you're just getting the middle-of-the-ring kids. That's just my thoughts. You? No. No, I think, yeah. Kind of as the program, when when your program has success, you're going to draw in higher caliber recruits. More eyes are going to be on you. That's the reason why... Toledo was getting a lot of kids outside of their pipeline that are, you know, turning down Power 5 schools to come to Toledo that are not, or that had offers from Power 5 schools or why the likes of um, a team that that breeds success will breed or bring in, yeah, higher consistent recruits because they're like, I want to play for a winner. I have a passion for the game. I want to go be a part of that success. And I think there is a discrepancy where, not saying that for those that aren't, are going to successful schools, that they're not trying to build success. It's all about the kind of the pitch that the recruiter gives. But yeah, there are kids that are just on the roster because they have the physical ability. They have the physical look of being a player and, um, you get recruits all the time saying, oh, this is a raw prospect. Give me a year or two with the strength and conditioning program and in the system, and we'll turn them into such and such prospect, like at, at every level. But yeah, if you, if you don't have a heart for this, then it's dangerous to be on that field. Yeah, and the thing about it is people say all that, and, and, and your intentions are good. There's just one problem. What if the kid doesn't show up? I mean, you could you. I, I, I it's personally happened to me. You can have a kid that you say, you know, you see a, a future for them, and it's just like, okay, we get them in the strength conditioning room, we get them in this skill work. The sky's the limit for their potential. But the problem is the kid doesn't show up. I, I can't do nothing if the kid doesn't show up, or if they're coming to the workouts, they're not giving it their all, they're not really paying close attention to detail. You know, there's, there's only so much that a coach can do. And as they were talking before, they were saying that, you know, Dion, when he inherited the program, 
Now, whether or not some of that's true or not, there were some guys that didn't have their grades right. It was just guy. It was just guys being there. You listen to eighty eight point three WCTs after further review. It was just guys that, and I've seen this on AAU teams, and, and this is where I think a lot of times, especially for AAU, why there's teams that get smacked and teams that are competitive. You know, you, you see them at a lot of the tournaments where it's just kids. It's just something to do. You're getting the kids. Now I understand certain kids you want out of a bad environment. You want to give them a positive influence. I get that. That's all fine and dandy. And a lot of those kids love the fact that they're, you know, have an outlet to go to in a safe place. And then you have these other kids where parents just have money and it's like you're looking at the business side of the sport and the kids not picking up the love. Like, for instance, a lot of these kids nowadays, it it, it breaks my heart because it's in football, too, but in, especially in basketball. It see showcases. Everyone wants to go to a seven on seven showcase or they go to these basketball showcases. And it's like, when can a kid just go and play the sport, go outside in the backyard or go and work on some routes or anything? It's always got to be in front of if it's not in front of somebody so you can try to impress them, then the people don't want to do it. It's either you you go to an exposure event or you get exposed. And it's just disheartening. And then you see it when the kids get there, like you said, it's dangerous for them. They get hurt. They don't like it. They face adversity because they can't get on the field and they want to transfer. You know, after a while, I, I don't know how to fix the system. It's a little bit broken because now. It's big business and the people that win are the people that put on this fake stuff. And sometimes, and then you've also got these coaching staffs that are just lazy. And I think the one thing that Deion Sanders is, I've heard that he works really hard behind the scenes. People can get jealous with the swag, but he backs up his talk with a lot of hard work. You just don't see it as much as, as you do as more or less you see the character of primetime or Neon Deion. Yeah, it's, it's definitely an era. I mean, it's, it's being its own show in itself, just kind of the era of coaching and players, kind of this generation, what does that look like? And are the motivations different now versus when we were in that high school age, when Dion was coming through the pipeline mm-hmm. kind of long before I've seen that trajectory. Right. Because, right. yeah. Keep going. Uh, winner, of course, our Rockets beat the brakes off of Texas Southern. Um, it was record-setting, record-breaking performance. Beat the brakes, beat the calipers, man, beat the 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 slave cylinder. I mean, the master slave. I mean, they whew. woo. They almost beat the black off of them players. But, yeah, but. Yeah, I, I, yeah, that that too. I mean, man, it, it, that's probably the most dominating performance I've seen from the Rockets since really playing close close attention to them since 2011 when this all started here at WSUT. Yeah, that was a complete performance. Grant, people are going to say, "Oh, well, you know, you were playing Texas Southern, HBCU." There are a couple of people that were making side remarks and like, you know. If this is the competition Dion was playing, no wonder he was so successful. Like people were disrespecting Texas Southern, and I was like, first of all, that's an HBCU. Don't respect, don't give them disrespect. 
But, I mean, it's a clear talent difference. It's just a different caliber of player that goes to Texas Southern than that goes to University of Toledo. And there should be. There should be that discrepancy. Now, dropped in 70. No, we're, we're, not, we're not used to seeing that from this Rocket team. Mm-hmm. We're, whether doesn't matter who we're playing. We're not used to seeing that unless it's like a three overtime performance. And it's you know forty to forties. Yeah, that, yeah, that that, that whew, and it. <laughs> you felt bad for Texas Southern because I mean they just look like little children out there. I mean it it it, it, it was pretty bad, Dave. I don't know if you watched the game, and I was eating some good sushi, and I'm just like, whoa, like it just Mr. Boone, Penny Boone. Whew, he just was running over people. I mean, it, it just it just didn't it just just wasn't fair. Yeah, it, it looked like men against boys. But but the thing is, David, you you thought that the Rockets were in despair because they ended up losing to the Illini, and they pretty much proved you wrong. Yeah, it, yeah, I, I will admit I was having concerns as to where the mentality was after a heartbreaking loss. You just never know. With that, thankfully, the, the second game was against a team of not mm-hmm. high quality. Right. So it wasn't, you know, like they were able to kind of really impose their will early and often. And we saw early and often we set a record most points in the first half. Mm-hmm. Like they came out with a message, but that, that, that was good for me to see. Mm-hmm. And hopefully we can continue that success against San Jose State. Right. Keep going. Oh. Their last winner for me, the Miami Dolphins. And if Tua can stay healthy, that's Miami's going to be dangerous. Like, when Tua's healthy, mm-hmm. that's what everyone expected. That's what everyone thought he would do. Um, again, I can get to my thinking Justin Herbert's kind of overhyped, mm-hmm. you know, and we saw. Um, but, yeah, this, this Miami team, if – Everyone is good, and when they get Jeff Wilson back, because I think him and Mostert forming a one-two, and then Evan coming coming in as the rookie, I wouldn't be surprised if Miami jumps. Mm-hmm. It kind of does where the Jets are supposed to be, and we'll get to them in the loser segment. Kind of, they are that second team in the AFC East, right? Because that 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 was fun to watch, right? Uh, switching over to the losers, we'll just start right there. <laughs> Quarter, quarterbacks that got paid this offseason. We'll start with the Jets. Oh, Obviously, yeah. no one wants to think about, you know, four plays and the Jets season is done. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it, it was a whole conversation and the league put out, this is why we need to play on grass instead of turf. Mm-hmm. Like, in football, that injury could have happened in play four, Play right. forty. We've seen all throughout the preseason players get hurt. Like football accidents happen. Right. Tackles mm-hmm. hurt people sometimes in different ways, and you just never know. Mm-hmm. Like it sucked that it was on Monday. You know, prime time Monday night after he runs out with the flag. Like, what if he tripped on the on the turf then mm-hmm. and got hurt? Like, you, yeah, you just never know. But 
Yeah, he got paid and got hurt. Mm-hmm. Danny Dudu got hurt. I mean, that was just embarrassing if you're a Giants fan. Yeah, it was very bad. But remember, it's just week one. Hmm. But, uh, I, I was, I've been off the Daniel Jones train since they decided to not pay Saquon Barkley and give Danny Jones a five-year big money contract as if he had a track record of success. Right, but as you know, uh, quarterbacks get paid in this league. Yep, and then they go out and throw less than 100 yards despite having the most money, guaranteed money in NFL history. <sighs> Bengals are just going to bangle. Like, that was hilarious. Mm-hmm. And because that was the national game that I had to watch, I had to watch Browns Bengals. Just even better. Just granted, they lost to the Browns, which is winning the Battle of Ohio. Mm-hmm. And you, you were right; you took the Browns in the pick'em. So, mm-hmm. you know, it was like, yeah. Ooh, that was that was that that performance made Joe Burrow look like he didn't belong in the NFL. Well, David, I think one thing you're starting to learn, and I've seen this too, you got to play in the preseason. You have to, especially in the pros. It's it's too detailed. A lot of people say, well, you're going to get hurt in the preseason. And the college kids just go. But it's a, it's a different level. And you could tell that he hadn't played during the whole preseason. Everything was off, especially nowadays where the line play has suffered now that because of worrying about concussions, you know, you, you got to get your, you, you've heard it. You got to get your body in football shape. You got to get used to the hits. You got to get used to the timing. And it looked like the Bengals were just off. It's one game. I think if they get their timing and, and hopefully no injuries, the Bengals can be a force to reckon with, but it's going to take a week or two, maybe three before you see the real Bengals. And I said, this is the problem. This is the reason why in the NFL they have preseason. Now, obviously, they also have preseason so they can get the cuts and, and, and form the team and give people a fair opportunity to showcase their skills. But Joe Burrow looked awful. I mean, he looked awful because it just looked like he hadn't played football. He got injured. They sat him down. Okay. The line, you know, it's all in secrecy. And now, and I talk about the, the, the concussion play, linemen don't in practice, don't do a lot of blocking. If you you can ask any executive, and they've been saying it the last three or four years because I you know I listen to different shows, and it's the same line every time. The line play in college and in the NFL is poor, and a lot of linemen tell you that it's because we're not hitting each other, we're not working on the blocking schemes, we're not doing you know it's 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 fake stuff, it's on air, it's not going up against an actual body, so you're not really getting that technique now. And, and that's what it looks like. So when then you got your star quarterback out, you compounded with that. That you got with you got with the Bengals. To me, they just looked just a step behind, maybe two steps behind and off. Where the Browns have been getting it in during the preseason because they, they have serious goals on their mind. So the Browns just pretty much smacked them up. But as a Bengals fan, like I say, it's one game. I wouldn't be too concerned. Hopefully, like I said, with no injuries. And I believe then the Bengals start off. Last season, two and three or three and two, and then went on on to to do really well. So give it some time after week four, though. I, I'd say that. Yeah, and I mean we can have a conversation. This is why a lot of people were saying when they went from four went down from four preseason games to three. You know, 
is that fourth game, kind of having that additional game for practice, particularly with now in either the second or third game, your starters are only playing a quarter, whereas it used to be the third preseason game, the starters were playing at least a half, if not three quarters. Exactly. Yeah, get that rhythm, get that momentum. Exactly. So, yeah, it, it has a compound effect. And obviously with Joe Burrow's injury history when he had went down in practice, they were trying to protect that multi-multi-million-dollar investment. But, yeah. And also, give credit where credit is due. Cleveland Brown's defense showed up early often, and they were in his face. So that helps, too. Right. They're continuing along with the losers, uh, the Chicago Bears. <laughs> yeah, keep um, more, yeah, more, more the same. Uh, I, I, I think Justin Fields just needs a wide receiver. Maybe no. that'll help. No, no. Maybe Stop. they need a running back. Stop! Yeah. Stop! Stop! It's him. <laughs> it's him. It, it's it's not. Come on, you got the receivers. Now, giving up David Montgomery, I thought was 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 bad. Um, I don't think that was a very good idea because he did very well for the Lions on Thursday night football, which we, a game we didn't pick; it already had been played. But I hope you guys are starting to see it's him. He can't make the throws. He can do the checkdowns. You can try the bubble screens, but those he's limited. He cannot make the throws that need to be made when. You need yardage. That up yeah. the middle slant where you need to throw a 15, 10 to 15 yard slant on the money in between the linebacker, the safety, and the DB. That little window that you see that Aaron Rodgers does, Deshaun Watson does, uh, Patrick Mahomes does. They get that ball right out. He throws a bunch of ducks. The, the, the guys have to make plays. And, you know, they're blaming it on the coaching and. Yeah, I picked me, you, and everyone picked the Bears because the Packers didn't do anything. And then Jordan Love went out there, and, and it's like they just didn't miss Looks a step. Like Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, didn't miss a step at all. And they were talking about how poor he is. Just just, just, just give it a rest. I understand he's a likable guy. He's an exciting athlete. But he's not an NFL quarterback. What part of that does not anyone understand? I, 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 It just blows my mind. I said this about Mitchell Trubisky. Even when they he won a division, and people told, remember you guys, not you guys, but most people say, like, yeah, Mitch Trubisky can be something. No, no. Compare him to the other quarterbacks in the league and the type of throws they're making. He can't do it. I compared him this. I watched the difference between him and C.J. Stroud. C.J. Stroud has a better arm than Justin Fields. In college, the athleticism can work. Terrell Pryor was a hell of a college quarterback. What did he do in the NFL? He got turned to wide receiver. You got to have an arm. That's just that's just what it is. You got to make plays with your arm. You have to. And everyone's like, well, it seemed like that they were just relying on Justin Fields to make all these plays. They're They're trying the best they can for the limited arm he has. The coaching staff is building the offense around to say, okay, this is how we're trying to make you successful. We got to do these running plays. We got to do this. We're doing the check downs. We're trying to do the bubble screens. But come on, this is the NFL. The athletes are better and the coaching is better. And the defensive coordinators are going to figure things out. It's only going to get worse from here. 
I, I don't get it. I, I, I hope you, Frank, are starting to see it. I mean, if people are thinking that I'm a hater, but it's it, he's not the guy. He's not. You might as well start looking for a quarterback right now, and that's why I wanted them to try to get C.J. Stroud. Maybe he might not work out either. But all I see, all I see, Justin Fields is pretty much a bigger B version of Kyler Murray. What do you think? Yeah, no, no. I, I think kind of like I agree. I just love poking the bear. Just you know, every loser segment is a, a rant, Bears rant section. Um, but yeah, no, poking I, I think the bear. I get real. it. Play good play on words. Poking the bear. Yeah, uh, professional. Right. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I think yeah, it's time for the Justin Fields experiment because at some point you have to say we're giving you all these pieces all the off season. We can only do so much. It has to be on talent performance, and on the on the field, Justin Fields is not cutting it. No. Um, so yeah, at this point, if if you were the Bears, and obviously the Bears are going to draft defense number one overall, if they get the number one overall pick, <laughs> because that's just what the Bears do. But do you do you take a quarterback in round one? Do you go for the likes of Drake May? You have to. Um, you you have to let them know that. This is what I say. This about high school sports. It depends where you want this pro- program or ball club to go. If you're trying to compete for championships, you're always bringing in some competition to know that hey, you don't think that you're comfortable that you're just going to keep that spot. The Packers did that to Aaron Rodgers. Jordan Love, you know, hey, you're getting a little older, you know, you might have to get Jordan Love in here, you know. Nah, and it elevates the play. Now, obviously, if you go in there and you you, you play as well as you play then you know that you're going to keep that spot but you got to bring in somebody you got to bring in something it might elevate Justin's play I doubt it as I said before he his, he doesn't have an arm he can do the check downs and the bubble screens but if I need him to throw that ball tight up the middle without it getting deflected without it being a duck and you're getting the receiver almost hurt or they got to readjust to make a play mm-mm Look at the look at the quarterbacks, even Baker Mayfield. Even they got that ball on a rope. I mean, it's it's out. Great spin, tight spin. Soon as that receiver comes out their route, soon as they turn their head, they know they have their hands ready. Boom! It's right there, right in the bread basket, right there. Justin Fields can't do that. And teams know that he holds the ball too long because he can't make those throws. Why was Tom Brady so good? Surgical. He was a surgeon out there. And he wanted his receivers to run the routes correctly because he knew if you run this route correctly, I don't care who's out there defending you. Just run the route correctly like you're supposed to. Now get that ball in it because he knew he can throw that ball. Justin Fields can't do that. That's why he holds the ball so long. He's not. His arm is not that great. He's not even confident in his arm, so he takes off running. That doesn't do anything for the offense. Let's face it, Bears fans, everybody, he's not the guy. And it gets irritating when you watch guys like Colin Cowherd trying to pump this guy out and push him, and you know by the end he's going to be like, "Eh, eh, I was wrong. Well, he won't admit he was wrong. He'll just say, well, you know, the the, the Bears didn't develop him correctly or, you know, the old lie or excuse, oh, he's got a defensive head coach, so he wasn't really innovative on offense. Okay. All right. Keep going. 
Okay. Uh, switching over to the to the college game with University of Wisconsin again, part of the Big Ten hype train. I don't know if Wisconsin is good because it seems like they, Nebraska, Iowa, like they're in this lump where they're good enough to win the Big Ten West, yes. But in terms of national ranking, prestige, like putting putting them up against the middle of the pack teams of other conferences, it's like <clears throat> I. They just, Wisconsin has disappointed so many football fans over the years mm-hmm. that it's becoming almost tragic instead of laughable. Mm-hmm. Like, because everyone says, oh, Wisconsin, this is going to be their year. They're going to be back. You know, Camp Randall is jumping around. Everything's hype. And then it's like, poop hammer. And they they always seem to get ranked at the beginning again preseason rankings. Everyone's going by what they see in camps and two days and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But it seems like they they get pumped up a little bit, a little bit too much. Mm-hmm. Well, along with our final loser, Texas A and M, Jimbo's just out here stealing money. Like I'm fully convinced he's out here stealing oil money. Because there's no way Texas A&M should be this poor. Mm. Like you got, you were up against Miami, cruising, and you just—it's not even taking the foot off the gas. You parked the car, went into the store for three hours, mm. and then came back, and your car was gone. Like, how does Texas A&M and Jimbo Fisher keep getting away with just? Epic collapses, epic under underachieving with the expectations. Because Texas A and M coming into the season, everyone was saying, "Oh, they have a legitimate chance of winning the SEC West." I didn't believe that because there's a team called Alabama, and even LSU, even though they got mollywhopped by Florida State. But even after yeah, after Week One, everyone's like, "Oh, Texas A and M." with all of the five-star recruits that they have mm-hmm. that we're pretty sure are getting paid a lot in NIL money. They they look like trash. Mm-hmm. And the sad thing is Jimbo Fisher is going to get, probably get fired or take a buyout by the end of the season mm-hmm. and then go to another program and do the same thing. Like, mm-hmm. this is a Jimbo Fisher problem. And no one wants to admit it. Right. So I hope for Texas A&M's sake and for the good, out of the goodness of their hearts that they figure this out. Because if Texas A&M does not get at least eight wins, mm. there's going to be a riot. Mm. Yeah, it could and be. With, and with that, that is... This week's edition of Winners and Losers. Yeah, it was a lot of winners and a lot of losers. And as has been said before, Colorado, Colorado State's at 10 p.m. Eastern Time. And actually, um, your Rockets play at 7 against San Jose State, who's from the Mountain West. We'll see, that actual game we'll see a lot from. 
Yeah. There's, it's going to be a good night. Obviously, the rival, it's rivalry week for a lot of teams, a lot of programs. The, I, I don't want to undersell because last week I thought that we would only score 48 and they did that in the first half. Maybe, maybe another 50 burger from the Rockets tonight. I don't know. But then again, though, you said now it might be a close game because last week you said they were reeling and, you know, it'll be difficult this season. So now you're saying 50 burgers. Yeah, so now we're now we're going to go out there and have like 30 penalties. Mm-hmm. Just, just, yeah, that's the right. <laughs> so that's the way things go. Mm-hmm. Well, David, thanks so much for the winners and losers. Coming up next. We have what the NBA players and FIBA. You wanted to talk about that last week. We had to put that on the the back burner. Yeah, do these do the U.S. players care about putting on the red, white, and blue the same way as other countries when they go to the World Cup? That is true. We'll talk about that and more here on eighty-eight point three WCTs. After further review, make sure you check us out on SoundCloud and iTunes. If you missed the show. We always have the segments up for you. The one segment, winners and losers, that David had, I had to redo. So that'll be coming up on there. But all the the, 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 the divisional picks and all that, and these will also be up as well. You're listening to 88.3 WGTs. After further review, make sure you always check us out on After, Sport, After Further Review Sports Show on Facebook with the live feed. We're on 88.3 WXUT as well on the radio. And also, like I said, we're on iTunes, and on SoundCloud. So you can listen to us on your Google phone or on your iPhone. Coming up next, it'll be an interesting basketball debate representing your country. Is the USA losing it, losing their grip? That and more on 88.3 Seeds after further review. We'll be back after this.